Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are and mobilize the church to create a culture of love and life that will result in the end to the abortion crisis and to the orphan crisis. You can change this broken world. You can change this broken system. You can change the broken politicians. You can change the lives of those that have taken lives because, God, you're in the business of change, oh God. And so we pray, change right now, God. Change the trajectory of those parents' hearts. Change the trajectory of the culture. Change the trajectory of this world because we know that you can and we know that it is your will and so your will be done. and truth. With a declaration of the gospel and the tears in our eyes, we will repent and we will go out into the dark places of our region and we will bring the light of the good news of the kingdom of God for the whole world to see. It's always beautiful to, to watch that and see that. Well, as you guys see through the video and as Charlene was announcing, we have Love Life with us. And um, so I, I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to ask uh, Mia and Jojo just to join us. Let's give them a hand. Just thank them for being here. And we're going to give you guys some mics. They should have given you all some mics. All right, let's give them some mics. Amen. Well, I wanted to do this just because what happened, you know, very often we could... Um, we, can, we move quickly, and um, before we get into some um, scripture and some word that I'm definitely going to share, um, it's so important to have a conversation and just to speak a little bit, because sometimes in the tent, someone passes by us, or if someone could see this uh, video later, it's so important that, they, that we answer maybe some questions that they have, or we can just have conversation and slow down a little bit and not be so much in a hurry. So it's a pleasure to have Love Life with us, and it's a pleasure to have them to, um, to share but I guess the best way we could start is, why don't you explain what love life is? Whichever one of you wants to go first. Like, what is love life? Um, 
explain that. So if there's anyone that will hear this or that's here, they could have that definition of, oh, okay, I see what this organization, this ministry is. Yeah, I just want to start by thanking you and this church. Um, this is my first time here. Um, Frank and Mia, though, they've been here a little bit. But um, even just within Love Life, I've always heard the name Nest Church. Nest Church is doing this. Nest Church is doing that. And so I'm just so grateful to be here to worship with you guys and so thankful for all that you guys have already done and been a part of in Love Life. Um, but Love Life's mission, what we, what we do, um, is we unite and mobilize the local church to create a culture of love and life that will result, we pray, in an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. And so our ultimate goal is ultimately that God would be glorified, um, but that God would put an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. And we believe that the way that he's going to do that is through his people, the local church. So we go out to local churches just like this one, and we tell them that there is um, a, a problem um, and a concern in our community, especially in Miami-Dade. I'm, I live in Miami, and especially here, how prevalent abortion is, um, how deceitful society talks about abortion, um, and just how much people who are considering abortion or even just people um, that are thinking about abortion, even if they're not in this situation, need to know the truth and need to know the hope of the gospel um, and ultimately need God to work in their hearts um, to give them a heart that wants to honor him um, and that wants to put an end to, to such a horrible thing. Um, and so we get the church involved. We do um, weeks like this with local churches. And then um, for 40 weeks, we do a prayer walk journey. And we have churches join us. Um, and then we have a bunch of other things that Love Life does, a bunch of other ways to get involved um, that I think we'll probably be talking about in a little thank bit. Thank you. No, thank you for, for sharing that because you definitely explained, you could explain it way better than I can. So that was great. <laughs> um, we're so grateful for Love Life and um, from the beginning that we, uh, when I first met with Pastor Frank and, and just starting it because we've heard even us doing these walks and just being part of it, we've seen testimony and we've seen like these breakthroughs within our own church of people that have struggled or people that they haven't opened up about it or, or that this is something that really touches home to many people. And we've been able to see that even with our own uh, church, you know, where this resonates and say, hey, look what happened to my family or this is what happened to me. And it's been a, a sort of freedom and to kind of have these people revisit that and recognize what scripture says or what the love of Christ is and how it heals and rebuilds and restores, you know? So um, Love Life was an instrument to also heal specific people and to bring up stuff that maybe was hidden for a long time. So we're just grateful for all the avenues in how God uses Love Life. Amen? So um, we've been, uh, for about three years now, partners and, and uh, some close to three years. It's, we're in our second year, entering our third year. And so we're familiar and we know that there's a walk coming next weekend, and we're going to pray here on Wednesday. So I would ask you, um, away from the prayer walk, we, we know that we do that, and we're going to do that on, on Saturday. Uh, but what else? What else is there in love life uh, for the church that they could know besides the prayer walk that's important for them to know? And uh, I don't know. Let's start Mia, so that way she could. Yeah, um, I think that people think that... Um the prayer walk is kind of all we do, so they'll consider it like, oh, it's a march for life. Um, and while we are walking and while we are pro-life, um, love life, that's, that's the tool. The prayer walk is the tool that they use to get the church to see. Um, the prayer walk is not the extent of the work that there is to be done. 
Um, and so we invite the church to come to the prayer walk so that they can see, so that they can be in front of a clinic and, and see what that actually looks like and see and experience the brokenness that's there to give them an opportunity to pray. Um, it's likely a lot of people's first time um, doing that outside of an abortion clinic or maybe even at an abortion clinic at all. Um, and so Love Life uses that as a tool to get the church there, and that's not where it ends. Um, we need mentors, we need donors, we need House of Refuge churches like Nest that are gonna love on these moms. Because like um, Charlene was saying during the announcements, we don't just not want the moms to have an abortion, we want to walk with them, we wanna to minister to them because it's not just the life of the baby that's at stake, it's the lives and the souls of the moms, of the father, of the grandparents, of the other siblings. Um, in those situations. So the prayer walk is just one of the tools. Um, you can get involved by being um, a donor. You can get involved by being a mentor. There's a mentor training program that you get trained on how to love on and walk with a mom for a minimum of two years. Um, the moms fill out a form uh, that commits to certain obligations on their end and on yours um, that just ensure some parameters and some, some safeguards in that mentor-mentee relationship with those moms. I don't know if I'm missing anything else. Yeah, and baby even showers. just, yeah, we have, yesterday we had a baby shower for a mom that was incredible. Um, we had maybe around like 50 or 60 people come, which even just showing up to the baby showers, like that, like so greatly impacts a mom, just to think that all these people are here just for her. And I think even just in the prayer walk, you see a lot of different facets of love life. Um, the prayer walk doesn't happen on its own. We have prayer walk champions who come out and pray with us. Um, and we're there from 7, 7.30 in the morning, setting up that prayer walk, preparing our hearts to walk and go to the clinic. Um, and even at the clinic, you'll see the, the men and women in orange. Those are sidewalk counselors who are calling out um, to the men and women who are going and considering an abortion. And so in Miami, we have over 30 abortion clinics. Yeah. Um, and right now, Love Life is covering about four or five abortion clinics in all of South Florida. So we've got a lot of work to do, yeah. and we need men and women who are just willing to share the gospel. It's, Frank always says it's Christianity 101. We're just telling people that we're here, that there's hope in Christ. Um, and so we have prayer walk champions and sidewalk counselors um, and a lot of other ways like Mia mentioned uh -huh. as well. No, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I know that's a vision too grab these facilities and, and, and mobilize the church and people to, to do what we're doing in different areas. So, and thank you, because that was one of my questions, right? Like, also, you know, when we, we talk about the prayer walks, the aspect of what that means and what that does for love life. So I know there's a picture that we're going to put up, and it leads to this. Um, I know there was an email that went out and about a mom uh, that was able to choose life at the prayer walk recently. And we'll, we'll show the picture. So this is, uh, you, I believe both of you guys are in it. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are praying, uh, I think we're calling her, was it Mama B? Yeah, Mama B. <laughs> so we're going to call her Mama B for, for just to kind of guard her there. But can you guys share a little bit of what happened? This happened in a prayer walk. This happened, uh, what we're going to do on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, something unfolded um, in this woman's heart. I uh, want to go ahead and just share a little bit from your guys' side what happened. Because it's important for us to know, like, yeah, we're going to go and pray, but God could use that. And look, if it's for one person, then, man, it's worth it. So just share a little bit about this picture, what's going on. Yeah, so from my perspective, we were out at the abortion clinic praying, and I get back, um, and there's two Spanish-speaking women who stayed back to kind of watch everything, who usually work the connection table with us, and one of them's like in tears and runs up to me and is like, Jojo, Jojo, and I'm like, 
okay, calm down, like, what's going on? And, and she's like, there's a mom here, and she's thinking about having an abortion, like, you have to come talk to her. And I was like, okay, like, where is she? Let's go talk to her. Um, so we go and talk to her, and they've been, like, hugging on her and loving her. And they speak Spanish, and she doesn't speak Spanish, but they've been doing such a good job of explaining what love life is and just showing her that we love her. Um, and I come to found, find out, I just, I talk to her a little bit. I ask her what led her here, what's going on. Um, and she said that she was actually on her way to the abortion clinic, to Astro Women's Center, the abortion clinic that we pray outside of. Um, and she said that while she was on her way, she saw this banner that we have at the prayer walks that says that we're not motivated by the sin of abortion, but by the beauty of Christ. And right when she saw that banner, she was driving up to the light, and she just turned around, and she parked in the parking lot and came and talked to us. Um, and she also shared with me that even before that, that she knew that God was working in her life because um, she went to a pregnancy resource center the day before to get an ultrasound, and she thought it was an abortion clinic. And she goes there, and these people say that they're Christians, and they're talking about life, and they're celebrating that she's pregnant. And she's like, man, I thought this was an abortion clinic. Like, what? And, and she says that she believes in God, that she was a Christian. And so she said, though, that she went to this pregnancy resource center, and she kind of thought, you know, maybe God is, like, telling me not to do this. But by the time that she'd gotten home, that she'd said to herself, um, you know, this might not be the right thing, but she had told God, I'm just going to deal with the consequences because I just didn't plan to have this baby. It's just not the right time. Um, she she wasn't really in a good relationship with the father of the child, and she was just like, I just don't want to have this baby right now. But then when she saw us again at the prayer walk, she came and she spoke with us, um, and I got to talk with her a little bit, just share how we can help, um, share what the Bible says. I shared a little bit about the story of David and how a lot of times in order to cover up one sin, because she would say, like, I knew I shouldn't be in this relationship with this guy, and I knew this was wrong, but I just, like, I kept going, and now look where I'm at. Um, and I shared how in, in order to cover up one sin, a lot of times we commit another sin, just like David did. And that, that was her decision right there. Um, and Mia and another woman were there too. Um, and then I was talking about our mentors, and I was like, we actually have one here, and Mia's here. And then Mia entered and started talking with her and praying with her a little bit. You want to share how that went? Yeah, so the other woman uh, in that picture with the white Adidas hat, her name is Lori, um, Lori Padrino. She is one of our most fierce mentors um, that we have. She's currently a mentor for a mom whose name is Brendy, uh, who chose life sometime last year. And Brendy actually developed such an intimate connection with Laura that she asked Laura to be the godmother of her child. Um, and so Laura's actively the godmother and the mentor um, in Brendy's life for that child. And so Lori actually had um, a picture of her holding the child that she's the godmother for that is the product of that woman choosing life, of love life being on the sidewalk. Um, she had that picture as her screensaver. And so I was kind of with Lori when we walked back and we saw JoJo talking to this lady that wasn't wearing one of our shirts, so we hadn't seen her before. And um, so we kind of just were like, she was wondering what was going on. And she there was just a, call, a tug on her heart that she just wanted to talk to her. Um, so I was kind of there watching, waiting for an opportunity to introduce them. Um, then Joe just saw us like peeking out behind a tree trying to like hear what was going on. Uh, so she called us over and like I said, she had that picture of the baby as her screensaver. And so she barely, she didn't really have any introduction to this mom, uh, to Mama B other than this baby is my godson and um, her mom, his mom chose life. 
and she immediately, Mama B immediately started weeping, um, sobbing. There was just like an instantaneous like brokenness that she knew what she was doing was wrong. Um, and I think it was also like seeing that we're not just here to like, don't kill your baby, um, that we're involved, that we want to be involved, that we want to involve the church. Um, and so that was kind of it from my, from my perspective. I got to just uh, get to ask a few questions and pray over a little bit, and um, we're still continuing ministry and mentorship uh, with that mom now. Yeah, after that, Lori came up to me and was like, she, she had been mentoring Brendy, but it had kind of become like a natural relationship. So she was like, I'm willing to mentor someone else. And after the conversation, she was like, JoJo, like, do you think I can mentor her? And I was like, um, yeah. And so we had partnered Lori with another mom, uh, but we, I was like, they had such a great connection. So we ended up working it out. And I was like, yes, like you could definitely do this. And now like it didn't just stop there. Thankfully, like the presence of the local church made such a big impact in that mom's life. But as Lori, as her mentor, is continually every day struggling with this mom, mm. um, and it really is a battle every day. She's having to make that decision to choose life over and over and over again. Um, and so now she's walking with her. Um, and if you guys could, too, just specifically keep Mama B in, in your prayers. I know it is really a big struggle for her even now. Um, and so we're just walking with her and, and hoping yeah. that she'll continue to make that decision to honor God every day. Yeah, amen. Praise, you know what? Praise God, man. That's, that's awesome. So good. Thank you, Lord. It was for that the church was there, was present. If there was no flags and the church wasn't there, love life wasn't there, there's no U-turn, you know, and now she's coming to the feet of Christ and now she's plugging into a church and you guys are starting that process with her. And, you know, that's amazing. And even the fact that we had a baby shower, was it yesterday you said? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And I feel like sometimes we don't recognize that where, okay, so yeah, we, we had a situation like this, but then now well, we, we leave them there and there's no hope for them. It's beautiful to see that the church is opening up their doors and that now she's, this mom is having a baby shower and uh, around her there's a community of people that she, to tell her you're not alone. And I think that's important for people to know, like, that's why I love that we've partnered with Love Life because it's not like, yay, we saved someone. Now there's like, they're stranded. It's, it's, it's discipleship, you know? It's walking alongside that person. So, so grateful to hear that. So I, um, I have a question. So you've both been working uh, with Love Life for some time and you've spoken, as we saw in this picture, right, to moms and all kinds of people, um, moms, young adults. But I know that with that comes people that also disagree. And they disagree maybe with what Love Life is doing um, there's some that'll say uh, that abortion is fine. There's some that'll say uh, that uh, I think Charlene, you know, Charlene was talking about the young girl that we saw. Um, she'll be ruined at such a young age to have a child at that age, so it should be okay. Uh, maybe the woman was raped. Maybe the woman can't afford the baby. There are all these different things that we hear, and I'm sure you guys have heard numerous of times. Um, but what would you say uh, to all these different reasons, like the ones I just said, when it comes to abortion? How do you guys address that? What would you guys say? Yeah, so, so first we acknowledge them, that like um, being a victim of rape or, um, or being in poverty um, or even just being afraid um, and not knowing what you're going to do or feeling unequipped to be a mom um, are like real things that these moms are going through. And we in no way um, think that they're not or try to belittle those things. Um, and so especially even if a mom's a victim of rape or of any abuse or anything, we want to walk um, through her, with her through that as well and, and help her seek help in that. 
Um, but usually what I share, especially out at the sidewalk, is that those types of questions and those types of scenarios um, are no different from what we as Christians do probably every day, in that we justify our sin um, by saying that it's necessary. So like um, as a student, sometimes you don't study for a test and then you get to the test and um, you know that if you don't pass the test, you're going to fail the class. So you just convince yourself, I have to cheat on this test. Like I have to get a good grade or else I'm going to fail and my life is over. I just have to. It's necessary. Or as a mom, maybe your kids are acting up and you get angry and you raise your voice and later on you try to justify that and you think, well, I had to. They wouldn't listen to me and they were being disobedient. I just had to get angry and raise my voice. And we do that all the time. We tell ourselves that we have to sin um, because just our situation or things that happen. And so I always share this verse with moms at the abortion clinic that in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that God is faithful and that he will not tempt you beyond your own ability, but he always provides a way of escape so that we may not sin. And so while rape and poverty and fear are all very real things, the reality is that abortion is a sin and that abortion is never necessary and that there's always a way of escape. And I tell these women too that the local church and that love life and that God, I believe, can be their way of escape. And so when we ask these questions, it's, it's what we do every day. We're just trying to justify, you know, this is necessary. This sin, even though it's bad, is necessary. And the Bible makes it very clear that sin is never necessary. Um, and that if you would just trust God and trust in his people and what he can do, um, that you'll be all right. And, and yeah. God will never attempt you beyond what you can handle. Good. Yeah, what I, um, the, the thing I kind of like to fall back on is that, um, the same moral code um, obligation that we apply to children outside of the womb should be applied to children inside of the womb. Um, and so I think that the answer to all of those questions is do you believe it's a life inside of the womb? Because if you believe that it is life, which any embryology textbook on any college campus will confirm that it is a human life distinct from its mother's DNA code, um, any one of those questions that we have falls back on, is it a life? Yes, then my financial situation doesn't constitute taking that. Is it a life? Yes. Was it conceived in a heinous and ugly crime? Yes. It doesn't take, I'm not the one who gets to decide if this life lives or dies. Um, rape specifically um, and abortion are wrong for the same reason. They are both an act of violence against an innocent party uh, without proper justification. Um, and so by that logic, the solution to rape, a child conceived in rape, is not ending the life of that child. Again, if we apply the same moral code to a child outside the womb as we do inside the womb or vice versa, um, you're not gonna take the life of a child, a two-year-old, as they were a product of rape. You wouldn't do that, so why do we consider having that bigotry almost to a child inside of the womb? So that's kind of the, the line, I'm a very like, black and white thinker, um, and Jojo said it so caringly and lovingly, but also it makes sense logically, because the Bible, science is catching up to the Bible. Um, all of these like hard questions, it's like, ah, well, you know, scientifically speaking, it's, it's a clump of tissue, it's a fetus. It's a life inside the womb that has its own separate DNA code, that has a heartbeat from 17 to 21 days, um, that has noticeable fingertips and features um, that just because you don't see 
doesn't, the six inches from the birth canal, through the birth canal, in and out of the womb, doesn't give an infant personhood. Um, there's nothing that changes. It's an infant and a human in the womb as it is outside of the womb. Um, and I think that as a society, if we approach those questions from that understanding, it wouldn't be so much of like, a, ah, but I have to do, commit one sin to make up for another. Um, it's, it's a life. And when we realize that, all of those things kind of, kind of come down to it. And then in, in other conversations with people that are more, oh, well, you know, that they want to, I've heard it said, explained that many people who struggle with that will kind of hide behind that rape question. Um, I've spoken to, like, people who, who are professing Christians that, you know, oh, I, I, I'm pro-life except in the cause of rape, except in the situation of rape. And even with people, especially with people who are, who are pro-choice, they'll, they'll say that. They're like, well, you, you're just so uncompassionate because what about a woman who gets raped? You just want all the rape babies, like all of these things. And the reality is if you're not willing to stand with me for life on the other 99% of situations that people get abor abortions for, because mm. it's only 1% statistically. Rape is 1% of abortions. That's the cause of 1% of abortions. And so it's not this astronomical number of rapes that are happening to justify hiding behind that question to come to terms with whether or not you believe it's a life and whether or not you believe that we should apply the same principles to those outside of the womb as those inside of the womb. Yeah. yeah that's a good way of saying it there, especially knowing that that's just a minute thing of, of when it comes to abortion, you know. But it's true. People grab whatever it is just to make sure. Yeah. So it's obviously you guys have you know a passion for what you do and and, and your involvement in love life, and uh, sometimes I say, like in passion of church, I said you know, I could just go to another church, and just be a great church member, you know, and maybe just not be a pastor, just be a great church member, and here you guys are, you could do anything else. It's not fun all the time. It's not glamorous. Look at the questions you have to answer. Look at the the. The stuff that, that has to that rises up against you, you could easily say, you know what? I could just go do something else. Just like we we could say something like that, but God's called me to do this, and you're faithful to it. And so, how do you? What do you? Because I could sit here and say all the joys that we find, and all the, you know, the benefits and, and the blessings of God, and, and all that stuff. But talk from your perspective, from where you're at, with all that goes on in love life, with everything that goes on with these walks and behind the scenes. Why? Why are we doing it? Why do you continue to do it? Why is that important to both of you? I, I think it's so important for everyone to hear that, you know? Yeah. 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 I think ultimately, um, like, my motivation is, which I always tell the women outside of the clinic, that um, I ask them to look outside when we're at the prayer walks and to look at the blue and orange and black shirts mm -hmm. that are out here. And I tell them that we're here because we're Christians and because we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so um, really just that responsibility. Um, and like you said, when God, like God has called you to something and you're called to be faithful. And I always tell people, like, when God wants you to do something, there's no saying no. And so when I realize, like, the responsibility that I have to be involved in this, um, I just couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it brought tears and anxiety and just like um, this unrest that I knew I had to do something about it. Um, and kind of like Mia was saying, I think it's so important too, I realized that we tell these women and men at the abortion clinic that a life outside the womb is just as valuable as a life inside the womb. Um, but when I, when I started 
in abortion ministry, I think I really like thought about that. Um, and I kind of grasped what that meant and that that's not just true for the people considering abortion, but it's also true for the local church. And so I heard some people say hard questions like, you know, if you saw two-year-olds walking into abortion clinics mm. and not walking out, like, would you be acting different? Like, would you be doing a little bit more than what you're doing now um, if you actually saw that life? Um, and it really just asked me the question, like, do I really believe that this is life? And I grew up saying that I was pro-life. I genuinely, like, strongly believed that I, that I was pro-life. And I would just, I just couldn't stop thinking about, like, if I'm really pro-life, I believe that innocent children um, and vulnerable children are dying every single day. And I just had to ask myself, like, am I living like that? Am I really doing um, and acting according to that truth? Um, and so I think, like you said, God calls you to something. Even if you want to be a church member at another church and, and just the best church member, um, he, he gives you a calling. Um, and he's given all of us a calling. I think callings, too, can sound very, like, unique. Like, oh, she has a calling to do this. Um, but my conviction um, and my zeal is from the Bible, is from just the fact that these are children. And so while I may have a calling to do this full time, um, I think God has called everybody Amen. to be involved in some way. Yeah. Um, I, so I started, um, I grew up like a Christian. I grew up a Christian. And not like, like a, a Christian. Christian. I grew up like a Christian. Um, she wasn't sure. In <laughs> I wasn't sure. In the, no, I grew up in a Christian household. And so when I learned what abortion was, it came with it's wrong. Um, and in my child mind, it wasn't, that wasn't a question. Like, of course you shouldn't kill a child in the womb. Um, and then obviously coming into adulthood and especially with the absolute lunacy of the world right now, um, and in, my, in our generation specifically, um, it's just one of the biggest topics. Um, and so when we started with Love Life, um, I started with Mark and Holly, that um, they, they're the ones who started Love Life down here in South Florida. And it started, I was, I was a nanny for their family for a long time, and we had talked about the abortion issue, and I had said, you know, I'm pro-life, but, you know, there's not, I had, I had um, volunteered at Heartbeat of Miami and done some things like that, but there was nothing really that I, not much else that I felt like I could do or that I was doing. Um, and so they invited me, Holly, one day was just like, let's just go to an abortion clinic and pray. And I was like, go where and do what? Um, and she was like, an abortion clinic and pray. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, so I go with her, I tell my parents, I'm like, I'm going to an abortion clinic to pray. And they were like, where? And I was like, see you later. Um, and so I went, <laughs> I went and it's, she's telling me all this information about um, all the different kinds of abortions that they do and statistics. And she's telling me about the doctor that's there and how long that abortion clinic has been there. Um, this is before any blue shirts were in South Florida. Um, it was just me, Holly, and her kids. Um, and we're standing outside this clinic, and um, then this car pulls in with a Broward College bumper sticker on it. And I was attending Broward College at the time because this clinic that we're going to walk to on Saturday gives student discounts um, for their abortions. So we, this car pulls in, and three girls come out, and they walk one of the girls to the front door, and they're all crying, um, sobbing on each other, hugging on each other, and then they let one girl go in, and the other two go back to the car. And it all clicked for me in that moment, what it was this love life thing she was talking about was, is that that should have been the door of a church. That shouldn't have been the door of an abortion clinic. Mm -hmm. it should, they should have 
walked with her crying tears of joy that they have a place of hope to walk into, not tears of sadness that they're in the situation that they don't know what to do. Um, and so that's when it all kind of clicked for me. Um, my dad pastored in um, a couple churches for, for many years, so I've always had an affinity and affection for the church's involvement um, in missions. I've seen global missions. I've you know, put money towards global missions and all of these things, and while global missions have their place, we have missions in our backyard. You don't have to go to Zimbabwe to do ministry. You just need to go whatever the closest. That abortion clinic was actually seven minutes from my house at the time. Yeah. Um, and so my, my passion for it, my desire to, to see it um, flourish is like Jojo was saying, is it's, it's just being a Christian. Yeah. Like I, I can't sit up here and say that, you know, there's all of these, you know, amazing things and we're doing something like so extraordinary. We're just being That's Christians. That's good. Like, we're just being the church. Yeah, great answer. Thank you guys so much for sharing all these things. So I guess my last question would be, Wednesday we're going to be in prayer, Saturday we're going to do the walk. Um, but when it comes to our church, you know, how can we continue to make a difference outside of this week coming up? And we're going to be here in prayer, we're going to be at the walk. Um, what else can we do? What else what can, what, what can Nest Church do to continue to change the culture and continue to be part of this, what God is calling us? just because we're Christians. What else can we do? And we'll end it with that. Yeah, so I'll focus on, um, so I have a little bit of a bias. I'm, I train our sidewalk counselors and lead our mentors. And so um, I see all the time just this need um, for those two things, for mentors and sidewalk counselors. And like I said, specifically in Miami. So I live in Miami, but most of um, the churches we're partnered with and most of the churches um, are just most of our volunteers are in Plantation um, or up in Broward. And actually, Miami-Dade far surpasses the amount of abortion clinics that are in Broward County. Um, and so I think... Um, Sidewalk counseling, I think, seems like an intimidating thing, but really when you're other, with other Christians, you're just sharing the gospel, and Love Life really, I think, does a great job of equipping you on just how to relate to people, how to think about what abortion is, and some things to say. Um, so we're always in need of sidewalk counselors. This Saturday, too, we have upcoming um, a boot camp which you guys can't attend because you guys will be at your prayer walk. But in the future, we have them almost once a month. And they're just this, like, intensive of just thinking about what sidewalk counseling looks like and what the Bible says about sidewalk counseling. And you get to see our team do it out at the clinic, too. Um, and then I would just, another way that I think is super important in getting involved is being a mentor, um, which goes for men and women. Like, like we said, this is just being a Christian. And so... Women are not the only ones that need the gospel and need to know how to parent children. Uh, men also need that. And so, especially in Miami, like I said too, we have a clinic in North Miami that by the grace of God, we see a lot of babies saved and rescued. Um, but we don't have that many partnering churches in Miami at the moment compared to Broward. And so we need churches like you guys in Miami to be able to walk with these parents um, that are in your community and help them. Um, and like I said, with sidewalk counseling, really, if you don't feel equipped or if you're intimidated by that, Love Life really does a great job of equipping you in that. Um, and it's discipleship. Yeah. We're called to make disciples. That's what mentoring is, um, just with women who are considering um, an abortion and who have chosen life and who you get to celebrate that with. So um, we're always in need of sidewalk counselors and mentors. I don't know if you want to add anything else to that. Yeah, um, I would just say show up. <laughs> 
Um, I think it's, I know the feeling and we've been to a lot of churches and it's really easy to hear this and be like, oh wow, that's really great for the people that are going to go on Saturday. I have a thing. I can't. I, well, if you have a thing this Saturday, we're there every Saturday till November, so <laughs> you have plenty of time to come out. Um, I think it all starts with making it a priority to go out, and I think that abortion is, and I also want to take a moment to thank your pastor for so diligently leading his flock into what Christians are called to and what is easily one of the most difficult battlefields to lead a congregation of people into. And so your pastor is, they come few and far between. Um, he's an incredible leader. Um, him and his family want to be honoring to the Lord. And that's exactly what they're doing in exposing um, Nash Church to this. And I think that's a really important thing to say because I, I think it's also easy to fall into this category of like, ah, well, what, what verse does it say, like, thou shalt not have an abortion? Um, it's not hard to see how God feels about child sacrifice. Um, Satan has always been behind the killing of children, um, hence the decree that went out while Jesus was in the womb um, to kill the firstborn son. That was his attempt at ending the life of the Savior of the world. Um, God feels the way about the womb, the way he feels about the womb. We see in Psalm 139, he knit you together in his mother's womb. He chose Jesus to enter the world through a womb. He chose the king of the universe to enter the world through a womb. Um, when you look in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, some of the most colorful languages God uses in regards to judgment is to the Israelites that are sacrificing their children to Molech. Um, and you think like, oh, well, okay, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't have to talk about like child sacrifice and a demon God, like, you know. But the reality is Satan is happy to go by any name to get to children. He went by Molech in the Old Testament and today he goes by convenience. He goes by career well-being. He goes by financial well-being, he goes by education, he goes by preference, he goes by society. He'll go by anything to receive what he wants, which is the hearts and souls of children. And so the boldness and courage of your pastor to lead you into seeing the reality of how God feels about his people, of how God feels about children, and to take a stand for life and to take a stand for something that is intimately close to the heart of God is wonderful and is a fantastic thing. And I hope that each of you approach your pastor after and thank him. Um, and so now that you know how God specifically feels about abortion and how bold your pastor is in leading you guys, I hope that you will follow behind him in that charge and come on Saturday and learn more about how you can get involved and get involved beyond the prayer walk on Saturday. Thank you guys. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward. I'll be there. We'll be there. Our family will be there. Looking forward. We want everyone to go and to join us. So I'm excited. You guys shared a lot of things um, that I'm going to kind of touch up on as well. Um, but we just thank you guys. Thank you for your time. Thank you because I know yesterday there was a walk and today you're here and, and it's nonstop, you know, this, uh, this fight and this, this push, you know, and, and, and to be that voice and and to, to speak the gospel into places where it's dark and it's empty and to bring life and, and to what you're doing. So we just, we're just grateful that, that you're here and that you took time. So we honor that. We honor love life. Thank you for your words. But, uh, but praise God. Amen. Let's give them one more hand. Let's give them a, thank them. Grateful. All right. Um, I want to go ahead and I'm going to share a couple of things. And, and as they make their way down, we just thank them. Uh, if someone could just help me out here real quick. We could leave, leave the couch and stuff for now. Just bring the podium. Yeah. Just bring the podium here. Um, I wanted to um, share a couple things, and I feel like they did a, a thank you, brother. 
they did such a, a, a well job on, on touching up on some of the stuff. And it was funny, as they were saying some of these things, I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. But before we do, and I share some things, I wanted to show you guys something. So when you walk into our church in the wall right there, we have this, I don't know if you guys have took, taken time to read it or whatnot. We have this frame that hangs there. And our church is what we call a house of refuge. And take time to read it, take, look at it, and see what it's about. I'm going to read it out loud just so you can kind of get a feel for it and um, know what exactly we believe and what our role is when, when it comes to Love Life and Nest Church as a house of refuge. It says, Nest Church is a house of refuge that applies to everyone in this church or people you know that need a place of refuge. Here's what we believe. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know that being pre pregnant is not a sin, and the child that you carry is not a punishment. It's a blessing. God is knitting the child in your womb. You may have made a sinful decision that led to this pregnancy, or you may have been sinned against, but we want you to know that you are loved, and we will do whatever it takes to help you carry and care for the precious child before and after birth. You heard that today. We can never support or encourage a woman to have an abortion because the child you carry is made in the image of God and is valuable and loved by God. You need to know how we will respond, and here's what we won't do. The church family will not gossip about you, shame you, abandon you. A house of refuge is what we are, and we will not allow for the family of God to harm one another with words or actions contrary to the love of God as revealed in his word. And here's what we will do. We will do everything in our power to remove whatever obstacle stands in the way of you having this child. There are people in this church ready to mentor, throw you a baby shower, connect with you with resources inside and outside of the church. Local pregnancy care centers, for example. We will also hold men accountable for living out their calling to provide and protect women and children. Finally, if you have ever had an abortion in your past, we want you to know that the abortion is not an unforgivable sin. Whoever confesses and forsakes their sin finds mercy. And if you've never gone through a post-abortion Bible study, we'll be happy to connect you to someone that they can walk in complete healing and freedom with you. And that's what a house of refuge is. Amen? And we want to make sure that you read that. Very, very um, important. They, they, they shared some stats with you and some stuff with you, and I wanted to share a scripture, and they mentioned something that was on my heart to share with you today. Um, Love Life um, has done a lot in its existence, and I wanted to share some, some of that with you. Just in South Florida, there has been 6,500 um, individuals that have walked, 6,500, 92 babies saved. Um, nationwide through Love Life, 147,700 prayer walkers and over 4,700 babies saved. So we see that it's, that it's impactful. Things are happening. Sometimes you don't see all oh, 10 in one shot, but you see that one by one, God is doing a work. And I shared this as we were introducing them. This is our second year, entering our third year with Love Life. And as we've partnered with them, why with Love Life? Why with this organization? Because it stands... And it fights for something that we believe scripture is clear on and something that we are convicted in. And that is the sanctity of life. And that's what I want to share real quick, the sanctity of life. So I looked up sanctity, and if you look it up for its exact meaning, biblically you define it, you'll see that sanctity means holiness of life. It means to be set apart. That's what sanctity is. The holiness of life, um, to be holy, to be sacred, set apart. It's an understanding that humanity is more sacred than the rest of our creation. God created 
but humanity is sacred amongst all of creation. Human life is not holy in the same way that God is holy, but we are sacred, we are set apart. There is a holiness to us. It is holy that it is set apart from all other life that has been created by God. And we believe that. We know this scripture in Genesis 1. When God says, let, right, let us make what? Man in our image. We, we, we've, we've gone over this. In our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, sea, birds, the heavens, and over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then he says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. We believe in this passage. For what it says, for what it means. I was, I was looking up some stuff, and I love how God questions puts it. Look at this. I'm going to quote them. It says, humanity was created in God's image, but sin corrupted that image. There is nothing inherently sacred in fallen man. The sanctity of human life is not due to the fact that we are such wonderful and good beings. The only reason the sanctity of life applies to humanity is the fact that God created us in his image and he has set us apart from all other forms of life. Although that image has indeed been marred by sin, his image is still present in humanity. We are like God that is li and that his likeness means that human life is always to be treated with dignity and with respect. He made us in his image, in his likeness. They mentioned Exodus 1, and I'll start with, with Exodus 1. In Exodus 1, we're introduced with something very severe. And I think we read the Bible and we go through stories and they make cartoons of them and we forget what's really happening there. But in Exodus 1, we're introduced to one of the first great genocides in the world. It's, it's, it was horrific in that time. It's when the Israelites were becoming too strong and too many and Pharaoh put a plan in action to annihilate all baby boys being born. We find that in Exodus 1... So I want to read Exodus 1, and I'm going to read from verses 15 through 22. But this is what I'm going to do. We're going to do a little exercise. How about if I read it in a personal way? I'm going to personalize Scripture. I'm not taking the word. I know. Don't come to me after it says, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't add or take away words from the Scripture. I'm just personalizing it so you could see how severe it was in this day. I'm not teaching a different doctrine by changing the words. I'm personalizing it so that, um, so that you could see the severity of what it would mean in our day. Do you get it? Yeah. Exodus 1.15. Ready? Then the president of the United States signed the bill who gave the order to all in the medical field, all doctors, all nurses, when you help a Christian woman as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, I think behind me you see the real... The real um, um, scripture. Watch uh, as it deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. But some doctors and nurses feared God and they refused to obey the president's orders. They allowed the boys to live as well. So the president called for all of those responsible in the medical field. Why have you done this? He demanded, why have you allowed the boys to live? And so the president of the United States gave this order to all the people. Collect every newborn Christian boy and let's throw them into the nearest ocean. If you hear that today, if that comes out all over the news, if you get alerts on your phone, if that is the law of the land today that we're living in, can you imagine what that would do to us? That's exactly what happened in Exodus chapter 1. That's severe. Imagine being there, you just had a baby boy and now you get this alert. Oh no, they're going to come and kill him now. It's kind of raw, it's kind of hardcore when you read it in a personalized way, but it's similar. It's, this is Moses' day. 
We're speaking of Moses when he was born, a newborn. And now he had to be kept hidden from Pharaoh's evil plan. And we smile when we read the story of Moses because we know the end. We know his victory. We know the story of Moses. He wins. He lives. He frees the people. Right? But have you ever considered all of those other boys that were born? Many boys were not as lucky as Moses was. And we forget about that when we read the scriptures. There were many boys that did not make it. They didn't have a chance to live, according to Exodus 1, to live out their dream, to do great things on earth. But it's on their death that the Israelites and some of the Egyptian maidservants, as we read in this text, they found strength to move forward, to fight against Pharaoh's evil, disgusting, and murdering plan that was put to, that was put to action. Imagine if the Holy Spirit moves in the church and in our hearts, just like it did in the maidservants, to say, no, we're going to take action to save as many children as we can. As those two young ladies have felt in their heart, this is what we're called to do because we're Christians and we need to do whatever it takes. It's the same spirit that moved the the servants, the maidservants, the Egyptian maidservants. And you read Exodus 1 in, with that, with that um, a personalization, and it really does something to us when you read it like that. And it doesn't end here. You heard, uh, heard her speak about Satan has always been attacking the, the children. It doesn't end there. All throughout Scripture, if you read Scripture, children and babies were being sacrificed. Sacrificed to false gods, to Satan in these occult and satanic rituals, it still is happening today amongst the elite, amongst many, where children are being sacrificed in satanic rituals. And it should sicken us when we hear about it. And it should sicken us when we read it about Scripture, when we read it in the Scripture. It's all over from Old Testament to New Testament and in modern day where poor kids are being used and destroyed and killed In the New Testament, we see it similar, and she mentioned it. Another genocide takes place. Herod hears from the wise men that the newborn king has been born, and he formulates a plan. And thank God that the wise men didn't go through with their part, which was at the end to trick Herod to save Jesus. But Herod thought that it would be a good idea to do away with the newborn king. Let's see if we can find them. So what does he put to to place in action? Let's make sure that we get him. Let's be most likely, how, how can we get him and find him? So here's what he comes up with. You know this scripture in Matthew 2. He kills all the boys under two years old in Bethlehem. I want you to think about this today if this were to happen. So what I would like to do is, I would like to read from Matthew 2, verses 16, 17, and 18. But I'm going to personalize it once again. I want you to think about how it was. During Jesus' day, when Herod sends the order, let's kill every boy that's under two years old in Bethlehem, in a town of Bethlehem. Let's do this. Can you imagine such a thing? It says in Matthew 2, here's my personalization of it. The governor of Florida was furious when he realized that some from the religious community had tricked him. So he sent military and law enforcement to kill all the boys in and around Miami-Dade County who were two years old and under based on the religious leader's report of the star's first appearance. 
The governor's brutal action fulfilled what God spoke through this famous preacher named Jerry. (laughs) And this is what he was preaching. A cry was heard in Miami, in all of Hialeah, weeping in great mourning, mothers weeping for their children, refusing to be comforted for they are now dead. I want you to think about this is what was going on. And this is what still is going on. It's still happening. They just build facilities, and it makes it easier, and it makes it lawful. Do it this way, and we'll help you out. Now, I want you to really think about this. Today, many choose to abort, to be okay with even those deciding to abort. It's okay. You got to do what you have to do. No one wants to take on responsibility. Everyone wants to be their own God, and no one wants to be accountable to God. That's the world we live in today. Away from abortion, it's the world we live in. Everyone's their own God. I know there are different views and mixed feelings and many debates on this and within our own church, because I've had conversations with people within our own church about this. But regardless of the situation, You heard it clearly from them. Did the children ever have a choice? Did they ever get the chance to be heard? Were they ever even considered a human being? I want you to think about that. Planned Parenthood kills about 354,000 babies every year. One preborn baby dies at Planned Parenthood every 89 seconds. Count to 89, another child dies. Approximately 9,000 abortions alone in Broward County and some 60,000 abortions throughout the state of Florida. And throughout the United States, about 930,160 abortions each year. I think we have a problem. And you know, as you look at the problem, I believe I know what the problem is. It's not even an abortion problem. If you thought the problem was an abortion problem, it's not. What is the issue, church? We know it very clearly. We know the Word of God. What's the issue? Yeah, it's a sin issue. It's a heart issue. And yes, it is a sin problem. It's a sanctity of life problem. Do we care enough? And I love that they were saying this. Do we care enough for life, for those living, and for those that haven't been born yet? Do we care enough? Does the life of others mean something to you? When you drive down the street and you see someone battered on the side of the road, Do you just look at him and have pity on him? Or does our hearts, even for that person, is it moved for the addict? Christians do a good job bashing. Whether it's abortion, whether it's transgender, whether it's whatever it is, oh, you're going to hell. But is our heart moved with compassion to have a conversation and to touch the heart of that individual? Sin is sin, yes. I'm not, I'm not justifying sin. But is the church doing its job to say, at the end, that person that I'm speaking to, there's a soul. And that matters to me. Do we care enough? Does the life of others mean something? Does, and you have to think about this. And she said it. You have to believe, like, where does life begin for us? Science tells us she defined it. It's there. It's in the womb. It's already starting. We could detect a heartbeat even weeks in. We know the scriptures like Jeremiah 1.5. 
Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I mean, life has started. Even in the mind of God, it was already there. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. He's speaking to the prophet as a prophet to the nations. We know that scripture. In Psalm 139, another very popular one, right? For you were created. You, Lord, you created. You created my inmost being, knit me together in my mother's womb. We see the process of where life is. But what does life mean to you? In the womb, what does it mean to you? And then outside the womb, what does it mean to you? What are you willing to do for those in the womb? And what are we willing to do for those outside the womb? If we don't care, listen to this, for life outside the womb, will we really care about life inside the womb? We have an evangelism problem. Why do we have an evangelism problem? Because we have a problem in the heart. We're not aching for souls. So we're not out talking about our faith with people at work at home, our neighbors. How many of our neighbors don't even know that we are God-fearing people and they are next-door neighbors? We have an issue. All of us, the church, I'm not saying you, oh, you know, I'm saying the church has an issue. We got to wake up and recognize I need to care for souls inside and for souls that have already been born, that are outside the womb. We need to care for life. Amen? We are God's special creation. Human beings are. So if we're going to care for the womb, we also must care for those that are outside the womb. So, so there's an indicator of where we're at. So I thought about this scripture, and I want to read it to you, and I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to stop at every verse and break it down. I'll just let the word of God do it, but, um, but just listen to it. It's a popular scripture. Jesus is speaking, Matthew chapter 25, and um, listen to this, and we're going to wrap it up. He says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all, the, <clears throat> and all the holy angels with him, I want you to picture that. Like I, I like to read the Bible and like, I just start to visualize stuff, right? All the angels come with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Verse 32, Matthew 25, all the nations will be gathered before him. This is so good. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides sheep from the goats. Can you imagine Jesus on his throne and he is separating people? And you're like, okay, I'm in team red, I'm in team blue. Let's see what, they, let's see what, these stuff, let's see what this means. And, he's, and, and, you're, and, and one... Let's keep it. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, come you, blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did, were you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king, remember he's on his throne, he's having conversation with the sheep, answers and says to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Everything we do here on earth, it speaks in eternity. 
and it's unto the Lord. When you hurt someone, you hurt his heart. When you speak ill of a brother, you spoke ill of the heart of God. When you turn your back on, on that issue that you should have fought for, you turn your back. Like, think about what this scripture, what it means. So then he looks at those on his left hand. He says, depart, verse 41. Depart from me, you who cursed into the everlasting fire. I love that it wasn't even prepared for them. Look who it's prepared for. That was prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, you gave me no food. Thirsty, you gave me no drink. Stranger, you didn't take me in. Naked, you didn't clothe me. Sick, prison, you didn't visit me. And they will also say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you, you as a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison and did not minister to you? And he says to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not, the difference is the other group did unto, and this group did not. Do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want you to think about this text and say, how do I care? Like, seriously, how do I view my life here on earth? And what actions am I taking? What steps am I taking going forward to care for humanity? To feed the poor, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick and imprisoned to care for the unborn like how am I doing so I read an article as I close and I'll quote him because I won't take credit for him his name was Clarence Haynes Jr. and he speaks about this passage and I want to read it to you and it's exactly what I was saying earlier listen to this and if you want to meditate there in your heart feel free to do that right now If we're going to believe in the sanctity of life, then we must be willing to ask ourselves the hard questions to make sure this is how we truly view every human life. If we don't check our hearts on this matter, then sanctity of life is nothing more than an empty slogan. These are words that we say with our mouth, but we don't truly believe in our heart. The goal should be To be about life, the goal should be about life and the sanctity of life because that is what the Bible requires us to do. I love that they said, because we're Christians. It's what we need to do. However, this is also the challenge. It can be easy to get lost in the noise of media or political talk and forget about the human, their life, their their intrinsic value, But if we're going to preach and believe in the sanctity of life, let's make sure we allow God's word to be the final word on this matter. And then he says, all life is sacred. Those in the womb, those outside the womb, and we need to protect it and care for it at all all the time, all the same time. In the womb, the child is innocent. But outside the womb, they start living And that means the the necessity for food, shelter, education, opportunity, and other things which require time, resources, may infringe on your life. In this instance, the value of life has not changed, but your attitude has changed. How do we value life? Do you really believe in the value of all human life?
The quick answer is to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Of course I do. Because what Christian is going to say no? But we cannot stop there. We must go deeper. And here's a question to ponder and to think about. Are you willing to fight for the rights of the child after they are born, even in the same way that you did before they are born? We need to fight for them before they are born. We need to fight for them as they continue to live because we care about life. The righteous will come before the Lord and say, Lord, when did I see you hungry? Lord, when did I feed you? I don't remember. Lord, when were you thirsty and I give you a drink? When did that happen? When did I see you as a stranger and I took you in? When were you naked and I clothed you? When were you sick in prison and I went to go visit you? I took time. I spent time with you. And the Lord whispers back and he tells you this, son, daughter, if you did that for those that I created, you saw them as sacred, set apart my created beings, souls that I love as you did it for each one of them you did it to, you did it unto me because I am the all loving father Lord I, I just pray today Lord as we speak on the sanctity of life and as we get ready this week to, to pray and to really be intentional that our mind is on this and, and to go Saturday to the <clears throat> to the walk and pray there and worship there and believe alongside with those from Love Life and, and just being part of the body together. But that you would really move in our hearts, Lord God, to understand what the sanctity of life really means, what it is that humanity is set apart as your special creation. And it has value so much that you gave Jesus, Jesus, your son, Lord, Father, for every single one of them. And Lord, that the church would fight for the child in the womb and that we would fight for that 40-year-old child of yours outside of the womb. That 60-year-old child of yours outside of the womb as well. Move our hearts to care for children. Move our hearts to care in this issue of abortion. Move our hearts to care for those that are perishing even each day without knowing you. That we would feel it upon ourselves that we are the ones that are called on this earth to do something about it. And that we would take action, each one of us, on our day-to-day -day lives to do something about all these issues. And if it could start with just this week praying on Wednesday, praying throughout the week, and coming on Saturday alongside Love Life, let it start there, but let it not end there. Let that be the beginning of the great things that you will do 
in every single one of our individual lives for the sake of sanctity of life. So Lord, strengthen not just Nest, but strengthen your church globally to fight for these issues, to walk in these issues. And as the young lady said, Lord God, as our sisters have said clearly today, because at the end, we're Christians, and this is what we need to do. This is what we should be doing. For we are sons and daughters of God, and we should care for the other sons and daughters. So Lord, we give this to you, that you would be glorified in this. If there's anyone here that feels heavy, that feels just to cry out to you, I, I know you know their hearts. I pray that you would cry out to the Lord right there where you're sitting. He visits you today. He speaks to those deep places today. He encourages and strengthens those areas today. It's not too late. You're right on time. Let God begin to do a great work today. In our church, we need workers. We need people to stand up. What can you lead? What can you lead in our community? What can you lead in these streets? What can you lead alongside ministries, organizations like Love Life coming alongside? How can you stand up as well and say, I could do my part? I pray that the Lord would stir your heart. If there's anyone that would watch this, that they would stir your heart. So Lord, we thank you that you would do just that. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to stir the heart of every person to do what is right for the kingdom of heaven. We thank you for such a beautiful opportunity. We thank you that you've called our church to do this. We thank you for friendships like Love Life that have opened up their doors for our church, that we could walk alongside them. I know they say they're thankful to us, that they could come to, toward, to us as well, but thank you for them. Thank you for their ministry, for what they do, for the sidewalk counselors that are not out there in the sidewalk screaming horrific things, but loving those moms and those families that are walking and giving them hope, letting them know that there's, another, there's other options. Thank you for them. Stretch them. Lift up that number. Let it, let it rise. Churches, pastors, let it rise. Let the help, let the, gray, the, the empty areas, let the in-betweens, things that are not being filled, fill them, Lord. Financially, bless them, Lord. Continue to strengthen, bless, and grow love life as it's impacting communities one at a time. And we're seeing the fruit. We just heard the numbers. Strengthen them and bless them, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you. Thank you for such a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for Jojo, for Mia, for everyone alongside them, for everyone that will be there on Saturday. Thank you, Lord God, for what they do. Thank you, Lord God, because if it wasn't them, Lord, Lord, who would have been there that day for Mama B? If it wasn't for that church that was there, who would have been there? But there was a sign and there was a church and there was people from Love Life and Pastor Frank was there and, and maybe Bernie was there and those other people. Padrino was there, all these people, Lord. And you entered her heart and not only is a baby saved, but that mom is also saved now. We won two souls that day. 
thank you for these beautiful missionaries, Lord, in our very own backyard. So, Lord, we give you this Sunday. Bless our going in and our going out. And let this week be a beautiful week heading into our love life walk, prayer walk this upcoming Saturday. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand. It's so good.